in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. And welcome to the CEO Raider podcast. It's your host, John Mayetta. Check us out online at ceoraider.com, the only place online where customers, investors, and employees may anonymously rate their CEO and company. If you like this podcast, please leave us a five-star review or a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. Corporate governance, CEO succession. I want to talk a little bit about nuance. We covered them last week, and today they filed an 8K. They announced the departure of board member Bill Janway. And at the bottom of the release, I'll just quote the text for you. The board also confirmed today that it is confident that it will name a new CEO by March 31st and that the new CEO will be appointed by the board combined. This would represent the addition of four to five new directors in an approximately 12-month span. So it sounds like Nuance has its next CEO in hand, whether that's an outside candidate, whether that's somebody on the board, whether that is one of the existing executive officers. If you recall, I suggest that they named Satish Mary Perry next CEO. Satish is currently the GM and EVP of the healthcare business. So let's talk a little bit about succession planning as it relates to interaction with institutional investors, interaction with the street. So you ought to have your own internal process, and maybe that's a, another podcast around succession planning and how you manage that internally. But w- with regard to the street, once you announce that the current CEO is going to step down over X period, the next four quarters, the next two quarters, by this date, whatever the the period may be. Once you break that initial news publicly, and the way to do it is to do it on an earnings call, not at an analyst day or uh, an investor conference, but do it on an an earnings call when everybody's tuned in. So CEO John Doe will be stepping down by 12-31-18. At that time or prior to that time, company XYZ we're confident we'll name our next executive, and then talk a little bit about the process. For example, we're going to look at internal candidates as well as external candidates, or we're going to strictly focus on internal candidates. So that that's one sort of process piece that I would recommend that you share with institutional investors on your earnings call. You can talk about the attributes that you want that next CEO to have. So whether that's experience related, whether that's personal qualities, whatever the case may be. What are the CEO attributes? Who was involved in the selection process? Current CEO, board, somebody in the board going to spearhead that process, going to hire an outside recruiter. If you're hired one, you could share that. So it helps to provide institutional investors with some insight as to the framework, the selection framework that you're going to deploy to select the next CEO. It's helpful to provide detail around that selection process so people know what the criteria are. You don't have to provide a play-by-play on subsequent earning calls until that next CEO is named. So you don't have to divulge, we have eight candidates, we have four candidates, we have three. That's That information should be kept close to the vest amongst those who are involved in the selection process. You don't need to share that information with, with any investors. So you don't have to give the the quarterly update on where we are in the process. It's okay to say the process is ongoing. But what I would do, if I were the sitting CEO on every earnings call until that next CEO is named, I would walk investors through the selection process, the selection criteria, the the CEO attributes, all the stuff I just mentioned a moment ago. I would repeat myself on each earnings call as to the process. I mean, you could even put it in the prepared remarks or right up front. You know it's top of mind with everybody. Just put it in the prepared remarks could even put it in the in the press release itself and it's okay to share that information 
and to not then feel like you have to share a play-by-play update on where you are in the process. Some may say, oh, it's a slippery slope. If you're going to divulge the process, then you got to kind of give investors an update on where you are with candidates and so on. No, you're not obligated to do anything in terms of sharing where you are with candidates and this, that, and the other. That detail remains in-house. But the process should be clearly defined and shared publicly. More importantly, there should be a process internally that's almost not worth mentioning. That's just assumed. There should be a rigorous process around qualifying people and... The CEO selection process should almost be a non-event because everybody in the firm is working to qualify themselves. Everybody in the firm knows where they stand from a performance standpoint. The senior execs, those who would be likely candidates to become the next CEO, they should more or less have an idea as to where they stand. And if you're doing it right, I mean, if you're really doing it right, and by it, I'm referring to grooming people, building people's resume in terms of uh, their experience, their internal CV, their exposure to different parts of the business. If you're really doing that right, then for sure the next CEO should be an internal candidate. CEO selection should not be a knee-jerk reaction. And look, you can have a rigorous process and still get it wrong. Jack Welsh, as excellent as he was as an operator, his biggest goof, if you ask me, in terms of his career, was CEO selection. Jeff Emel, who managed from an ivory tower. Clear he was not an operator and a firm that was known for breeding strong operators. So a rigorous process is no guarantee that you'll get CEO selection right, but it gives you the best chance to get it right. See you all next time.